This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever been ringside and got blood on you? All the time. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was really embarrassing. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. You've accomplished a lot in your career. Tonight, more than 70,000 people, an indoor record in the U.S., came here for you. What does that mean to you? Hey. All right. What a night. Texas, Arlington Stadium, 70,000-plus people. Canelo Alvarez stopping Billy Joe Saunders, uh, picking up a third piece of the 168-pound title. I was there. Man that was there as well, still in Texas, Mike Coppinger, senior boxing writer over at The Athletic. What's up, Mike? Chris, how's it going? Good to talk to you again, I guess, uh, a few hours later. Uh, still buzzing from that night, huh? Still, I mean, it was a surreal experience to be standing there in the middle of the ring with 70,000 people around me. I'm I mean, we're still at least I am, like, programmed to, like, look around and be like, all right, crowds in the stands, are we ever going to get that back? I mean, there was a time I thought, Mike, it might be years before we got that type of crowd back in the stands. Now, you can certainly debate the, the health merits of it. Like, was <laughs> it the best idea in the world to do something like that? But, I mean, it just felt, I don't know about you, but it felt good to kind of be part of a big fight atmosphere once again. Yeah, I mean, it was probably the best atmosphere I've ever been a part of. I don't know if that's me being a prisoner over the moment coming off a pandemic and coming off a great night, but it was the indoor attendance record in the U S so I've never been part of a crowd that big for one for two, obviously the pandemic, it was weird. You said it felt surreal in, in a way. It felt like normalcy. It felt like we never even left. Yeah. Uh, for me, the best atmosphere, and I don't know if you were there, Ruiz Joshua won. Um, I was there. MSG. Yeah. Like that, that to me was, 
not only just because of the atmosphere, because of what the Brits brought to MSG, but what happened in the fight. Like, you know, to have Joshua knock Ruiz down, the crowd just exploding in that moment, and then Ruiz counter, and just you could literally feel the air sucked out of the building as Anthony Joshua went down. But that uh, fight between Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders, that was right behind it, at least for things that I've actually experienced. But let's talk about what we saw, man. Um, you and I, Mike, might be the only two people <laughs> in the world that had that fight close. Like, I had Billy Joe Saunders leading five rounds to three going into what would have been that ninth round. I'd like to thank all the people on social media for your very kind comments and your constructive criticism of my scorecard. Uh, and I'm sure, Mike, that you know when you uh, posted what you had, how you had the fight, you probably heard the same type of stuff. But I'll, I'll let you go first because I've, I've written a little bit about it on SI.com and um, – and, and I'll talk about it more here, but tell me what you saw in that fight because you clearly saw, like I did, Billy Joe Saunders doing some effective things to keep him in the fight. Yeah, I have my scorecard right here. Chris, I gave Saunders the first round. I thought it was a very close round, but you and I do not score fights like Harold Letterman. You know, God rest his soul. He was the best. He and a lot of others seem to score the fights the same way, which is whoever's coming forward, whoever's pressing the action, that guy wins the rounds. That is not how I score a fight, and it's obviously not how, you, not how you score a fight because I'm looking for who's controlling the ring, who's uh, maybe making the other guy miss, maybe landing some good shots here, who's um, making the other guy do what they want to do. And I saw Billy Joe Saunders using excellent footwork, really using the ring, walking Canelo into shots. Um, I think it was the third or fourth round. Canelo, I mean, not Canelo. Saunders landed, what, three or four big looping left hands that – Look, yeah, Canelo walked through them because he's Canelo. That doesn't mean I didn't score. I, um, if I look at it here real quick, I gave – so Saunders, I gave the first really close round. I gave Canelo two, three, and four. And then I gave Saunders five, six, and seven. And I remember the seventh being really, really close. But I thought five and six were pretty close for Billy. I mean, I'm pretty clear for Billy, you know? I, I do think so. And I watched it back on the plane ride home and – I gave Saunders one, four, five, six, and seven. Watching it back, I'd take four away. I'd give it to Canelo. I think that some of the shots I thought I was seeing Saunders land, he really was, and Canelo was a little bit more effective than I gave him credit for. Other than that, everything else is defensible to me. Like five, five and six, I'm with you. I thought they were pretty clear Saunders rounds. Seven, I thought Saunders edged it. And then eight, of course, Canelo just dominated there. So, you know, Canelo has a history. Two things here. One, Canelo has a history of kind of losing the first round. I actually gave Callum Smith the first round against Canelo, largely because Canelo doesn't do anything in these uh, these very early rounds. He kind of tries to, you know, I hate using these phrases, but download his opponents and, <laughs> and figure out, like, what they're going to be doing in there. The other thing to remember, too, is that as great as Canelo is, his decisions are often not lopsided. Like, he beats Arislandi Lara by split decision. We all know how close the Gennady-Golovkin fight was, or both fights were. Daniel Jacobs was 115-113 twice on, on two of those cards. And then you had Sergey Kovalev. When he was knocked out in the 11th round, he was even on one card. And the other two cards had him 96-94. So it's not like Canelo is regularly going out there and winning 118-110. Like, because of his style and how he kind of works the entirety of the fight, he's willing to not give away rounds, but not go all out to win every single round. And that's why I'm a little bit surprised that people are surprised that Billy Joe Saunders gets credit for some of these rounds. Yeah, and speaking of what you just said about Canelo trying to work the entirety of the fight, one thing I noticed last night 
well, not last night, but Saturday night that I haven't seen mm -hmm. in a while was Canelo really with his mouth wide open. He looked tired to me. And I think that was because, if I'm right, he was really missing widely and badly on a lot of those shots. And there's nothing, as you know, more tiring than throwing some big, massive, looping shot and missing. And I, I saw him a little tired. I'm not saying he was gassed out by any stretch. It just seemed like I think it was around six, around seven. Like, all right, I'm not even used to seeing this. He's slowing down a little bit. But I will say real quick, on the social media front, I noticed that for once, because I'm used to having the same thing as you, like, oh, you know, go learn how to judge. You shouldn't be in this and that. I had a pretty good split last night, and maybe it's because I have a lot of British followers on Twitter, but I had uh, some people saying, well, Mike, you really know how to score. And then, of course, <laughs> what the hell are you watching? Are you crazy? Canelo's killing him. <laughs> you, you, you can't satisfy Twitter. You, you <laughs> simply can't. Everybody is a, a official judge that should be judging these fights themselves and being paid uh, to do it. Um, let's talk about Saunders and how he didn't come out for that ninth round. Um, now my take on this is like, look, it's it, Saunders injury was clearly serious. We learned after the fact, as you reported after speaking with Eddie Hearn, uh, he has fractures in his orbital bone. He's going to have, or at least as we record, this probably has had surgery uh, already and will be headed back to the UK on Wednesday, going to be on the shelf for a very long time. Anyone that knows boxing knows those orbital bone injuries are serious. Kel Brook first broke his orbital bone against Gennady Golovkin did it again against Errol Spence. He was never the same fighter after that. Um, but Billy Joe Saunders, Mike, opens himself up to criticism for not continuing because of his big mouth. Because he has said in the past that he would never do exactly what he just did. Very recently, late last year, Billy Joe Saunders, very public about Daniel Dubois' decision to take a knee and not continue against Joe Joyce. Daniel Dubois, who had almost the exact same injury as Billy Joe Saunders uh, suffered there. So while I don't think Billy Joe Saunders uh, has anything to apologize for with an injury like that, maybe he learns a lesson that, you know, that injury is real and you simply can't fight through it. Yeah, it's a lesson for a lot of fighters, I think. And you open yourself to criticism, like you said, when you say something like that and then it happens to you. But, you know, in real time when I was watching it, I was definitely surprised if I was being stopped considering how close it was. I didn't think it was a bad stoppage necessarily, even without knowing the injury because I saw the eye closed and I said to myself, okay, Canelo just gave him an absolute whooping in that round. There's no way with one eye he's going to come back and now turn the tide. So, look, I'm of the opinion of this is a dangerous sport. This is a, the fight game. Obviously, you're taking blows to the head. If it's clear you're not going to win other than some Hail Mary, just stop the fight. Like, there's no real glory or moral victory in going the distance. It's nonsense. But it was a great stoppage by Mark Tibbs. I mean, it, this, for the late, you know, for people listening, this was a, what do they call a quadrupod uh, fracture, which means that the, uh, there's three components to the orbital bone surrounding your eye. All three of those are, are shattered. And then the fourth part is just the entire complete blowout. That's what they call it. And it's the worst thing possible. We're talking about slicing your face open, inserting a metal plate in there, and then stitching that back up, like you said, he can't even fly back till Wednesday because of the air pressure of flying back and it would just blow up. And I don't know. You have to wonder, A, does he fight again? And if he does, is he ever the same? Yeah, that's a really tough injury to recover from. Um, and, you know, beyond that, like Canelo, God, 
he hits like a mule, man. Like, I'm not sure when that kind of happened. I don't think he... He wasn't really doing that very early in his career. It's like, as he's matured and grown physically, and of course, you know, matured as a boxer, like, his one-punch power has really, really gotten impressive. I don't know if you can pinpoint a time when that happened, Mike, but, like, whether it's, you know, how he just hurt Sergey Kovalev and knocked him out, um, and now the way he did this to Billy Joe Saunders, just one big uppercut ending the fight. I mean, he has become one of the more dangerous punchers. He's he's dangerous in a lot of ways, but as far as one punch, he is as dangerous as they come in boxing. He really is, and he doesn't get enough credit for it, Chris. Uh, I think back to when Canelo moved up from 154 to 160 to fight Triple G. And yes, he fought Chavez at 164 before that. But I remember being at the weigh-in and saying, wow, I think Canelo is actually bigger than Triple G because I looked at his back, right? It's all about your back. It's not about your height. Mm-hmm. I think people say, oh, well, he's 5'8". Surely he's not bigger than a lot of these guys. And of course, the people on Twitter, the kind folks there, let me know I was an idiot then. But um, <laughs> look, this guy is a big back. He was probably killing himself to make 54 and even 160. You look at him now and you see him at 168. You don't think, oh, he looks like inflated or bulked up. He's bulked up, with, but completely shredded. He looks like a, I don't know, could you think of a better 168 if you're creating a fighter in Todd Grissom's game? <laughs> Shout out Todd Grisham with the Shout out to Todd. Uh, um, I mean, I guess, you know, a man that was in the building on Saturday, Roy Jones Jr., was probably, you know, the, the best version of that. God, what and I talked to Roy about this last week. Could you imagine Roy versus Canelo at their best in 168? Oof. What a fight. What a fight. Who would, would you be. pick? I can't bet against I think Roy is I think I always, we have this conversation about Canelo. Canelo's on his way to being an all-time great. Roy is or was, you know, at that point. But it's such a contrast, right? It's like I mean, two of the the fastest pair of hands in boxing history. Like just blurring hand speed. Roy would probably try to time Canelo more. Canelo would probably have some kind of tactical game plan. I mean, it would it would be something, man. It would really be something. I, I would say this. I mean, does Canelo have more punch resistance than Roy, or am I just remembering new Roy? Like, I don't... He, I mean, he must. To, I mean, he down. has to. I mean, we saw Gennady Golovkin bounce shots off his head. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. this wasn't any kind of faded version of Golovkin. But back to my point about Golovkin before, what I was saying is sometimes you see fighters move up in weight, and they actually get more powerful, right, because they're killing mm-hmm. themselves and they actually have more power at the higher weight. I think maybe that's what happened with Canelo. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. All right, let's talk about the future here now. Uh, we know what Canelo wants. He wants a unification fight against Caleb Plant. Caleb Plant, the IBF title holder. He has the last piece of the super middleweight crown. Um, the last two fights at 168 have been very easy to make. Callum Smith, a matchroom fighter. Billy Joe Saunders, a matchroom fighter. Caleb Plant... He's with PBC. So you know this universe. You know how these negotiations tend to go. How complicated do you think this is going to get to make Canelo against Caleb Plant? Eddie Hearn claims at the press conference Saturday night it would not be complicated. Well, he is wrong, of course, because we know how this goes, Chris. It's going to be Eddie reaching out, I'm sure, to Louis DeCubis Jr., who manages Caleb Plant and works with PBC. And it's going to be tough, I think, because Plant is going to want to fight. And, you know, of course, they're going to want to have the fight on Fox or Showtime pay-per-view. And he's going to want it on the zone naturally. And I do think Canelo loves Eddie Hearn. I mean, they're wearing matching Dolce pajamas. Eddie's played this perfectly. WrestleMania-esque entrances on Saturday. Even Eddie whisking Demetrius Andrade away, his own fighter. During <laughs> we'll the, get the, into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> during yeah. the practice. Eddie's played it perfectly. And 
I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I suspect that Cano, we've heard him talk over and over about how much he values loyalty, right? How loyal he is to Eddie Reynoso, how much he disliked what he felt was disloyalty from Oscar De La Hoya. So I think that has to count a little bit with Eddie Hearn and Canelo. But obviously everyone has a price, and I wouldn't be surprised. I've heard floated around. Maybe Heyman comes and says, all right, I'll give you a three-fight deal. First, we give you Caleb Plant. We give you Jamal Charleban and then David Benavidez, something like that. Maybe it's so much money you blows them away. I don't know. But, you know, if I had to bet right now, I'm saying Eddie Hearn's going to be involved. Oh, I, I think Eddie's involved with Canelo forever. And I think where Eddie is going to have kind of a dicey situation is because of his uh, affiliation with the zone and, and how the work he does there. But I'm sure Eddie has said to the zone executives, look, I'm going to do everything I can to bring this fight to the zone, but Canelo's the boss. And if he decides this is the package that he wants to take, I'm going to go with him and I'm going to promote his fights on that side of the street. Um, you know, it's funny, like, Canelo's kind of had the opportunity to sign that multi-fight deal PBC before, hasn't he? Like, there have been talks between those two sides. Uh, do you think Canelo even wants a multi-fight deal? He seems to really enjoy the freedom that comes with, you know, doing one and two-fight deals. I mean, the two-fight deal was really a one-fight deal, right? He got he got a tune-up in Avni Yildirim and then the real fight against Billy Joe Saunders. It's, it strikes me, Mike, being around Canelo over the last, you know, six to eight months that this freedom, he really likes it. You know, being able to pick and choose who, when, and where, and on what network he fights. Yeah, I definitely think he doesn't want to get entangled with anybody again after the experience he had having to see Golden Boy and all that. But I want to just say, I want to get your thoughts too. Let's say everything's equal, right? Money's equal, all that. I could see this being some kind of standoff where Canelo says, you know what? I'm, I'm with Eddie Hearn, and Eddie Hearn's going to say, I'm with the zone. And then we have Caleb Plant and Louis DeCubis and Heyman saying, well, we're not going over to the zone. We want pay-per-view. It makes more sense for us, and it's our deal. What happens then? Because Canelo seems dead set on getting that fourth title. I mean, Canelo has options, though. Like, Canelo, as much as Canelo wants a Caleb Plant fight, I think more people want a Gennady Golovkin fight for him, right? Like, I think there's still... Whether you and I kind of know what the score is when it comes to Golovkin, where he is in his career and all that, and what might happen in that fight. But Golovkin Canelo 3 still captures mainstream interest way more than what Canelo versus Plant does. They're both still monster fights because Canelo's been involved with it, but Golovkin is a bigger fight. And you were there and you reported this. Like Canelo seems amenable to the idea of a Golovkin fight at 168. It's probably not his first choice, but if things do get dicey and we do get that standoff that you're talking about, I could very easily see Eddie Hearn, who works on a peripheral way, at least, with with uh, Golovkin, saying, look, you know, I mean, let's revisit this in December. Like, you want to fight four times this year? Let's do it in December. Golovkin's off. He's just hanging out, apparently waiting for Ryota Murata to become available in Japan. Like, let's just uh, wait until uh, December, and then we'll revisit those plant conversations. Could you see something like that happening? Definitely. I could see it happening. The only reason I say that Canelo's dead set on it is because over and over, he's hammered in every interview that he has to be undisputed. That's the only mm. fight he wants. Of course, things can change. I would rather see the Golovkin fight. I mean, Caleb Plant's not even in the top three fights I want to see next for Canelo. I would rather see Golovkin. I'd rather see Benavidez. I'd rather see Jamal Charlo. Because let's face it, Caleb Plant is a similar in style to Billy Joe Saunders, only he's a righty rather than a southpaw. 
and he's not nearly as experienced. I think Canelo has an easier time with Plant than he did with Saunders. Yeah, I think that's. I would say right now that's. I would. I would agree with that. I think that Saunders is a little trickier than Caleb Plant will be. Caleb Plant can move, but I mean, how you don't win by moving against Canelo Alvarez. It doesn't work. He eventually gets to you, and and wears you down. I mean, I. If I'm Caleb Plant, though, and somebody on the PPC side said this to me over the week, like, Caleb Plant, at some point, is going to have to put his foot down and say, this fight needs to happen. If it does get to that kind of stalemate, Caleb Plant's got to say, you know, this is my opportunity, right? Like, I-, I have a chance to fight for all four titles. I have a chance to fight the best fighter on the planet. I have a chance to make the most money I'll ever make in my career. This can't get screwed up over, like, network loyalties. Like, I mean, look, as much as I'm as... As much as anyone I would love to call another Canelo fight, don't get me wrong, but, like, if you're a fighter, who gives a shit what network you fight on? Like, who gives a shit who's outside speaking the words over you while you're in the ring? You're in the ring! Like, you know, you're doing your thing, and I I, I don't think that should be something that fighters get even remotely, you know, wrapped up in. I mean, I totally agree with you, and I know Caleb planned plan decently from interviewing him a bunch of times, being around him. He's a really good fighter. I want to make that clear. I just don't think anybody can be Canelo. But to that I point... Agree. Caleb Plant is a guy who is incredibly confident in himself and is really hell-bent on, you know, seizing opportunities, making the most money possible, fighting the best. So I do think he would make sure the fight happens. But, and this is the big but, we've seen what happened with Jamal Charlo possibly being offered to fight with Andre and all that. Al Heyman seems to have some kind of spell over these guys where all rhyme and reason goes out the window. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we I can't revisit the Charlo Andrade stuff right now. I'm too tired. It's been too long, uh, too long a week. I, I would say this: you and I were both in that hotel lobby on Saturday night, and we saw how happy the DAZN executives were with how that show went. Uh, I don't know the numbers, uh, but they were clearly significant. They were clearly they clearly had a very good night uh, because of Canelo Alvarez. So I believe that there will be a massive guarantee offered to Canelo and to Caleb Plant to bring that fight over to DAZN. Now, what Fox or Showtime have going for is that they can say, look, we're not going to offer that kind of guarantee, but the pay-per-view upside could be worth even more. So honestly, I mean, get your take on this. That may be what it comes down to. Like, does Canelo go for the guarantee, which will be huge, or does he, you know, take the pay-per-view upside to go over to the Fox Showtime side? I mean, it obviously depends on how many pay-per-view buys you think it does um, off the top of my head. What do you think? Yeah, what do you think on that? I would say Canelo, Caleb Plant probably does in like that 750, 750 range maybe, somewhere around there. I just think Canelo's a much bigger star than he was when he was – because if you look back, right, when Canelo fought the likes of like Arizona Lara and Alfredo Angulo, I think he was doing like that 350 range. Um, I think he's a much bigger star now. And for context, we saw Wilder Fury 2 do around 859. I can't imagine Canelo plants as big as that. 7, 750? Yeah. And I don't know what the, how the mechanics of that work or the finances of that work, but does that give Canelo more money than a DAZN guarantee? And plus, with Eddie Hearn kind of in the middle of it, you got to believe Eddie's like, look, just keep goosing the offer to zone. Like, just uh, if you really want this, you know, if you want to keep this momentum going, um, keep making those types of offers. So I don't know. I mean, I, I do think that I don't think this is going to linger, Mike. I don't think that, you know, Canelo's going to wait till like June, July, August, or July, really, and st- wait for Caleb Plant to make a decision. I think there'll be substantive negotiations over the next month, and if a deal can't be reached, I, I do think Canelo will move on, at least for that September date. Well, selfishly, I hope you're right, because I don't want to be monitoring this <laughs> every day, because there's nothing worse, right, than 
a fight that's so obvious to make and we have to check in. Hey, what's going on? Heal yet? Signed yet? Agreed yeah. yet? I mean, we're and going- they, look, they, they want to do this at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. Like, they want to fill up Allegiant, which would be another monster stadium event and uh, very doable. I think September 18th is being targeted is what I was I was hearing. And um, that's that just be a huge, a huge date there. A um, couple things before I let you go. Uh, you mentioned Demetrius Andrade, my good friend Demetrius, <laughs> who uh, uh, can't seem to get himself a good fight. Uh, he popped into the press conference. You were there talking to Canelo. Uh, I missed it. I, it's too I bad. I can't believe it. Uh, I know. As you as you texted me, that's my Super Bowl. Saying Demetrius <laughs> in there, I likely would have been behind Paul Andre going like, "Fight him! Fight him! Yeah, let's go, go Demetrius." <laughs> uh, let me ask you. Let me, let me phrase the question this way: Was it good or bad for Demetrius Andre to do that? I think it was great. Like whatever he's doing now isn't working for him. We're talking about him now. He's in a viral video. I think my my video alone did like four hundred twenty five thousand views on Twitter, and wow. that's not even counting, you know. There's probably 20 versions of it that did more than that. Um, it was great for Android. What was not great is that Canelo clowns him and really yeah. just um, – I- I'm impressed by the way Canelo Canelo's younger. Himself. Canelo's younger and called him a kid. Like, get out of here, kid. He's younger <laughs> than Demetrius Android. I-, I mean, I am impressed with how well Canelo handled that. I mean, all every play in the, in the playbook, right, where you want to just clown somebody, he took it out of there, called him a horrible fighter, laughed in his face – insulted his father i mean but this is like movie All stuff in english in english too he did it in english I, I mean my question for you chris how much bigger of a star can canelo be showing this kind of personality in english oh massive and look he did and i think it was the first time he's done it he did our locker room pre-fight interview in english like and that was really impressive it's it's conversational it's almost pacquiao like in a way like he speaks english i think it's better than pacquiao way. It might be a tick better at this point. It gets better every couple of months or whatever. I mean, look, if he can get to the conversational point where he's comfortable, he obviously understands everything you're saying. Like, he he, he understands English. If he gets comfortable enough, you can start putting him on, like, the talk show circuits. I mean, Pacquiao isn't funny or really all that engaging, but he did Jimmy Kimmel every time he yeah. came into town to do a fight. You, you, you definitely would see uh, Canelo on all these major shows if he could speak if he was willing to speak English on that level. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, why I ask you how much bigger can he be? Because as big as Canelo is right now, and he is monstrous, he is not Manny Pacquiao. He is not, mm. I mean, at, at his powers, you know. He is not Floyd Mayweather at the height of his powers. He has a long way to go if he wants to get to that point. But I think he can get there. Um, there's no better way to get there, right, than trash talking, kind of chiding someone and laughing them off, and also cursing. And I saw people say that he sounded like Tony Montana, and it's not far <laughs> off. It was good. It was good. Um, and look, to put a button on Android, like there's a pathway for Android to get a Canelo fight. He is the WBO's 160-pound champion. The WBO has this weird rule, and you saw uh, who was it, Alexander Usyk, exercise it recently. They have this weird rule where you know you, if you're the champion in one weight class, if you move up, you become the mandatory challenger for the belt in the next weight class. Canelo, one of the three belts he has is the WBO's 168-pound championship. He says, and we're going off his words here, he says even if he wins undisputed uh, this year, he's going to stay at 168. So if Andrade fights like one more time this year, moves up to 168, he could at least force Canelo to make a decision, right? Like say either I'm going to vacate that belt or I'm going to face Demetrius Andrade, which would put Canelo maybe in a tricky spot. 
Look at you going through the rule books of the sanctioning organizations. Finding rule books. Ways. I love sanctioned bodies. Paco, what's up, Paco? <laughs> finding ways for your guy. I mean, <laughs> I, I hate that this practice last night actually wants me to see. Now I want to see the fight. I hate that it worked on me. <laughs> and um, look, my question to you is, if the fight happens, are they going to have to pull you off the telecast for the zone for conflict of interest? I know it's uh, my, I'll be honest. Like my <laughs> my my feelings for Andrade are not like I think Demetrius Andrade is this unbelievable fighter. It's like, like I don't know why. I just don't know why guys aren't fighting him. Like he's got a blank check behind him in Eddie Hearn, and he's got a belt. Like those two things usually lead to big fights happening. And he's in his early thirties now, and nothing's happening. So I just so when Canelo says like you never fought anybody, yeah, he's right, but it's not for lack of trying. Like, and it's it's not for lack of. <laughs> You know, having resources behind him. You know what I mean? It's like, so that's my biggest thing always with Android. I loved Android's response, by the way, because it was so honest. He goes, Yeah, a lot of people haven't fought anybody. <laughs> and he's right. Who has, who has Caleb right. Plant fought? 100%. Like, you, <laughs> Demetrius Android's resume is comparable to Caleb Plant. What's Caleb Plant's best win? Is it uh, Mike Kitagi? Like, I'm kidding. Mike, I'm kidding, of course. But uh, Uskitagi, yeah. That's the, that's the only uh, weird win. Yeah, I mean, Demetrius doesn't have any real top flight wins either, but you know, he's a champion at 154, champion at 160. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see him. He's not going to get it this year. I'd like to see him get one decent fight this year. I'm talking to you, Jamal Charlo, and then move up to 168 and uh, see if you can force the issue with uh, two belts uh, potentially behind you. One more thing I want to get to, Mike. You uh, shook things up a little bit last week, the report on Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy uh, in discussions with Triller about potentially moving the Golden Boy stable over to Triller. That stable, as you pointed out, has been weakened considerably with the absence of Canelo, but there still is Ryan Garcia. There still is Virgil Ortiz. There still, for now, is Jaime Munguia, though I'm not sure what his long-term contract situation is with uh, with Golden Boy specifically. Um, that was interesting, like that, that Oscar is talking about moving things to Triller. I don't know what Triller's interest in that is. I don't know if they're, you know, frothing at the mouth to be involved in, you know, uh, where what's where uh, fantasy spring shows like you know up up in Southern California. Like I that that struck me as an odd pairing. Like Oscar on Triller, yes. Oscar stable on Triller, I don't know. So walk me through kind of what you think, what you know, when you think is going to happen here. Well, what I do know for sure is that Golden Boys deal with the zone expires at the end of the year. And Golden Boy's looking for a new deal right now, whether it's Zone, maybe it's Triller, maybe it's some other, you know, look, PBC is probably leaving Fox, right? Maybe that's something they go after. I don't know if they have the stable to get it. Maybe they can get a smaller deal from Fox. I think that's possible. But we both know that this the Zone Golden Boy relationship has gone south in a big way, you know, dating back to the whole Canelo Triple G failure to deliver that fight, the contract's not meshing, the Zone getting sued because of Golden Boy. I mean, obviously, that's never going to leave a good taste in your mouth if you're a network. And I don't know where Golden Boy is going to go. Do I think Triller has a ton of interest? I'm not so sure. I, I think, yeah. Would they want Virgil Ortiz fighting on Triller in a main event? Absolutely. Would they want um, Ryan Garcia? Of course you want Ryan Garcia. We don't know when he's coming back now as he deals with his mental health uh, issues. And uh, Canelo's gone, of course. You have Jojo Diaz. Yeah, he's a nice fighter too. Uh, Jaime Mangia, he has one fight left with Golden Boy. So... I'm not really sure where they go, but I, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that, that Oscar would hope he can get a deal with Triller considering, you know, he's bought fully in, right? You see him wearing the Triller shirts everywhere he goes now. He's uh, palling it up with the Triller guys. 
he, he's buying in. He was on the broadcast, uh, better or worse. And <laughs> that's that's one way to phrase it for better. Or I, worse. I, I say for better or worse. I enjoyed it. You know, I, I thought I thought it was enjoyable. I know why people had issues with it. It was funny at times. Um, it's more if you know the whole context of Oscar is yeah, with course. demons and, you know, you're up there, you know, he dismissed it by a couple of drinks that that felt like more than a couple of drinks. I've had a, I had a couple of drinks last night. I wasn't, you know, referring to somebody by the wrong name. Like it's, it's sort of like it's just it was a little oh, well, it was over the top. But that's Oscar's own personal life to to worry about. The, the professional side of it, I just don't know why Triller would, you know, like I, I don't know why I don't get the sense. And I've talked to a few people there like that. They're into the whole building prospects and kind of being the HBO type. Like, I, I don't get, I think they want to do events. And that's, you know, Oscar is an event. Ryan Garcia is an event. But, you know, probably 75% of the shows Golden Boy does every year, while valuable and interesting to a hardcore boxing audience, they're just not events. Yeah, I could see a scenario where maybe a triller says, all right, yeah, we'll take Jojo Diaz and put him on. You know, yeah. Jake Paul versus whoever undercard, or we have Jaime Munguia, maybe. Maybe there's a couple of guys here and there. But like we say, who are there? Was there four or five really Golden Boy guys do you want, I would say? I think what's more likely is maybe Fox. I mean, where is Fox going to go? I'm hearing lots of different things. Do you think they want to stay in boxing in some capacity? I mean, I know there are some people over there that are feeling kind of burned over how this is all played out here with... I mean, whether it's you know, even the last show, like Cornflake Lamana and Aristide <laughs> Lara, like you literally had an hour of airtime before it on, on Fox from eight to nine that was then occupied because the, the last fight went one round by a swing bout and, you know, promos like that. I know there are a few people over there that feel burned. I, I don't know if that means they just want to try something different or if they want out entirely, but uh, I don't think they're jumping back into box with two feet, I guess is the way I would phrase it. Yeah, luckily, Chris, I was at the fight, so I didn't have to experience the uh, that hour gap you talk about. It sounds awful. Yeah. Um, look, I, I don't. I know that a lot of the Fox executives are pretty sour on boxing, and who can blame them? I mean, they've mm-hmm. they've gotten some bad, bad fights. I mean, they've got some good pay per views, but some bad fights on Fox. And when I say bad, bad probably doesn't do it justice. But look, it's still cheap content relative to everything else. They're spending like a billion dollars in the NFL. There's no more UFC. Maybe they're paying, I think, sixty million to PBC right now a year. Maybe there's a scenario, I, don't know, I haven't heard this, but where they say, all right, look, Golden Boy, we'll give you, I don't know, $25 million for X amount of dates. And they put on uh, Ryan Garcia on pay-per-view, and they put mm-hmm. on uh, Jojo Diaz in the main event. I think that's plausible, whether it's I think it's possible else. too, Mike. It's just like, you know, one thing they've got to do, though, if they stay in this business, is that they've got to hire somebody for quality control there. Like, you've got to have a boxing person that is going to push back when, you know, Aris Lenny Lara Cornflake Lamana is thrown at you as a main event on Fox. Like, you just can't keep putting stuff like that on. You've got to have somebody in this business, a, I'm not even suggesting him doing it, but a Lou DiBella type, <laughs> like, that understands this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, someone that understands how these, show works and these shows work and what these matchups should look like. You say that, and I agree, but Showtime has a very knowledgeable boxing person, Steven Espinoza, and I don't know that he's quality controlling. Um, we saw some of the fights that they were buying last year and the year before, and they were not good at all. To Steven's credit, he did buy a lot of really good fights from, like, what, 2015 to 2018, somewhere in there, um, and the schedule is better right now. But there's still some big-time head-scratchers. Jamal Charlo versus uh, Juan Montiel, uh, David Benavidez versus uh, Jose, Jose Uskatsugi. I mean, Steven Espinoza knows boxing, and I'm a little confounded by that. 
You're just trying to get me to weigh in on Charlo Montiel, aren't you? You're just trying to get me. You're just trying to like get the R. I'm trying to like it's like, you know, what's that? Bad boys to like woosah. Like let me just woosah here on that bat fight until we actually get to it. Oh man. But that's a conversation for another day. Mike, great work this week. Follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Coppage. Read his stuff uh, over at the Athletic. The Pug and uh, Cop Boxing Show comes out a couple of times every week as well. Great podcast with our friend Lance Pugmire. Good to talk to you, Mike. Good to see you this week, dude. All right. Thanks, Chris. See you soon. All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, you know I appreciate it, and I'll see you next week. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.